0: Well, tēnā Koto Car Greetings, everyone. Harimai, my and welcome to the water field trip. I'm Andrew, the Learns field trip teacher, and it's 9:15 on Thursday, the 21st of March. Just before we get underway, I'll begin us with a karakia. Pakataka uru, pakataka taho tonga, kine kine kiuta, taratara ana te atakura, he huka. Okay, Right, well, good morning everybody. Welcome to our final web conference for the water field trip. Right now, you're in an area called iZone and we're in a vehicle, we're in an, an irrigation New Zealand vehicle. We were going to do the web conference outside, but it is quite breezy and we didn't want to get affected by uh, wind So we're in a vehicle with Steve Branniger and we've also got Shelley the field trip teacher in the back who's filming on this field trip and behind me hiding is Alana who also works for Irrigation New Zealand. Uh, Alana has been helping us organise all the people and places that we've been meeting with and visiting this week. So it's a bit of a windy cloudy day in Christchurch um, but it's not raining so that's all good. And we've got Eddie, Eddie the female. He's been having a good time this week. So we've got Steve Braniger, and um, Steve uh, works for Irrigation New Zealand. And Steve, do you wanna give us a bit of a, uh, an idea about what you do and, and what you have done in the past? Because you've got some interesting, an interesting background in terms of you know, water use, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so I'm the national technical manager for the irrigation industry, so it's a quite diverse role. Um, I I do things like create uh, education platforms, uh, education pathways, national standards for industry, um, and making sure that the the right information, the right science is filtering right down to, to farmers, but also upwards to policymakers and governments, so... Um, My background, I have a double degree in ag science and I'm an electrician by trade. Um, I grew up in far western New South Wales in Australia, so I'm I'm an outback boy. I'm a sixth generation farming family. Um, So I know what farming without water looks like. Um, We've been in drought out where I come from for many, many years now. So water is very important.
0: Thanks, Steve. So really interesting um, thinking about the outback of Australia and an interesting statistic, I suppose you could call it a number. Well, like in terms of when you were farming cows, you said you had about 90,000 hectares, which is is a lot of land, but it's not necessarily because you had a lot of animals. No, no.
1: the the stocking rates are quite low in compare comparison to New Zealand. Um, you know, we might have say one or two cows for every ten hectares here. We had one cow to every twenty five hectares in Australia. Um, it, it's just we need scale because we we don't have the green grass and, and the the uh, uh, persistent rainfall, you might call it.
0: Mm. So what sort of things can we be um, talking with you about this morning, Steve? What, how can, where can we focus our questions? Because we've only got Steve, we've been lucky to have had two or three experts on every web conference this week. Um, so what sort of, where can we focus our questions this morning, Steve?
1: Um, you can pretty much ask me anything to do with the technical nature of irrigation, um, whether it's farming uh, how the equipment is made. Um, I'm I'm considered a bit of an irrigation nerd, so there's, there's not too
0: many questions I can't answer. Okay, well that's good to know. So just earlier, Barry pointed you guys who are here with us this morning as our um, listing schools school participants in the web conference. Um, in the chat bubble down the bottom, you can click on that, and so there's a couple of messages there already and that's where you can type your questions so we don't have a formal speaking school this morning so it's the web conference will be directed by by you guys so when you've got your questions and just remember sort of anything irrigation anything to do with irrigation um steve can answer questions but i just thought i've got some questions here we've we've talked about um uh, about you, Steve, and you know we've talked about the fact that you've farmed in Australia. Um, how so? How has that drought affected farmers over there?
1: Um, the, the Australian farmers deal, like many farmers around the world, drought is just part of farming. You know, it's, we call it feast and famine, um, the swings and roundabouts in farming. But the the difference in Australia is it's been so prolonged and prolific and so widespread. Um, from the, the the top of Queensland right down to the bottom of Victoria on the eastern seaboard, so it's it, it's not just one region. It's it's you know big vast swags of land now. Have been in many many years of drought. Uh, some have been in drought for eight nine years. Gosh, it's amazing. So so uh, has
0: farming is it, is it reduced. Um, well, just changed
1: it, It's just changed People You know where, where you used to farm for profit Now they're farming for survival Right because Farmers are farmers Because they love farming mm. um, You know it's, it's, it's what you do um, and, and many of these farmers Are generational farmers So the, the farm's been handed down From father to son or, You know Down to daughters and, and things like that So It's very hard to just walk away From something like that
0: Yeah Yeah Especially when it's been In your family for so long Hey, um, Barry's put a a question here in the chat pod. Could storage ponds fill with sediments um, from, for example, the Waimakariri if if there's been a flood?
1: Uh, Sediment's a bit of an issue, but um, to fill the the storage pond, it would take um, many, 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 many decades to fill it with sediment. Uh, Virtually impossible. Um, There'd be enough time between uh, filling and emptying and seasonal cycles where they can clean it and do things like that. Um, it'd be just a yeah. normal maintenance process. Um, in some respects, sediment is a very useful tool, especially for open channel and open race irrigation uh, schemes, where the, the the sediment seals the the bottom and lines it essentially mm. and stops a lot of the, the drainage at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand has very porous soils. Um, but in other instances, a lot of that sediment will flow right through to the farmer's equipment and wear out pumps and, and get stuck in, in nozzles and in irrigators and stuff like that and become quite a nuisance. You have to actually flush it out. Yeah. So, but, but filling ponds, no, that would, that would take decades.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I sort of thought that you'd probably have some sort of filter that filtered that out before it got to the storage pond. But, but no. there's very fine sediments that are suspended in the water, aren't there? Yeah, to, to
1: filter sediment at that volume would be – it would be a horrendous cost. Mm. So you'd be looking at a, at a, a plant, the equivalent to the, the freshwater plant in Christchurch. Okay. So it, it, yeah, you're talking major investment.
0: Okay, Steve, we've got a question from Hillary Hub. Uh, when did irrigation start becoming popular? It's from Ryan.
1: Mm. So irrigation's been popular since about the 6,000 BC. Um, but in New Zealand, it really started taking off in the early 2000s. Um, It was prevalent in Canterbury and in some places in the North Island before that, but not as it is now. The landscape in New Zealand, especially in Canterbury and North Otago, is irrigation is far more accessible. Older system types only allowed for certain flat lands to be used. Newer modern systems allow pretty much unlimited. If if you can harvest the crop you intend, um, you can irrigate it.
0: Yeah. So, Steve, you said 6000 BC. So, um, I think from memory reading the background pages, it was to do with flood irrigation from the Nile in Egypt. Is that yeah, correct? so
1: this is where I turned my irrigation nerd hat on. Um,
0: <laughs> so, the, the, the scientists
1: can't actually predict whether the Egyptians or the Mesopotamians were the first to irrigate, but it was flood mitigation all the same. So, they, uh, they used to get you know enormous floods out of the Nile and. Um, um, and that would wipe out any uh, settlements along the the banks of the river, so they created these these um, channels and stop banks that then they could funnel the, this flood water to where they wanted to go, then all of a sudden they had the realization they could they could use the water mm. so
0: so it started there a long time ago. Um, Barry also asked the question about the reliability of electronics that control irrigators. Um, is there are there any issues with maintenance? Um, like
1: like anything uh, in the electrical trade, we, we say there's only there's only so many flicks in a light switch, um, and that that is, uh, electrical systems world over. Um, there's a maintenance schedule that must be. Um, carried out, and, and it, that, that schedule is actually part of a standard or a regulation. It says, you know, um, if you have a toaster in your uh, staff room at school, you the, the, the school has to have that have, has to have that tested and tagged to so say it's safe every twelve mm. months. The same applies on farm. The farm is a workplace, so there's, there's rules and regulations around some of this stuff.
0: And is that, I guess, also because you know electricity and water aren't necessarily. A good combination so
1: well that, that's the reason i, I, I changed my profession and went from agronomics dealing with crops to uh irrigation because i thought why, why not mix you know water and electricity together it sounds cool well, uh, well i guess there is a
0: relationship because we regenerate our electricity with water but
1: yeah yeah so no look it, it's 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 one of those things especially with modern irrigation systems where you have um you know 400 volts um which is very unforgiving and water in a, in a steel structure. So the people that work on these systems are actually highly skilled because you, it has to be
0: safe. Yeah. So. And I've seen, um, it's interesting driving around this area, it's irrigation's obviously you know a, a big thing. Um, solar powered irrigation, I've seen signs for the.
1: Yeah, um, people are tapping into that at the moment. The, the problem with solar is batteries. Now, mm. now, solar's not as clean as people would expect it to be, and and most of New Zealand's something like 82 or 87, 87% of New Zealand's um, electricity grid is um, hydro supplied. So we're very green powered anyway. Mm. Um, Huntley only kicks in in times of need, so the, the coal power up in, in uh, the North Island. Um, so it's when you um, put solar on, you act. You, Solar will not produce enough power on demand, um, so you actually have to rely on batteries to, to store the excess energy and then to charge it. And, and it's the battery side, when they wear out, there's there's not a great recycling point past that for the the, the waste. Yeah. So so the solar is, is is something that is developing, and the likes of Elon Musk and Tesla and, and those companies are really pushing the envelope of what we can do there. But it still comes back to the batteries. There. Uh, not that uh, reliable right now.
0: So. Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting seeing that and how how that compared. Um, does Canterbury farming produce anything that relies on irrigation that has grown nowhere else in New Zealand and is important to, to world food supply? Ooh,
1: um, we we don't grow anything odd that the, the world, the rest of the world doesn't. Agriculture the world over, it's it's horses for courses. Some crops grow better. In, in certain places around the world. Um, so is
0: there anything Canterbury's known for?
1: Oh, dairy. Uh, dairy is, is king in Canterbury, something like 52 or 54% of Canterbury is uh, under dairy. Right. A- and the predominant reason for that is risk. We have very uh, variable seasons here. We can have a, a really long, hot summer, or we can have a, a really short, mild summer. Um, if you grow certain crops that don't like either of those scenarios, then the risk to harvest is, is quite great. Grass is is really, really robust and hardy. Mm. Um, you can't stop a cow eating grass. Um, so the, the, the production system is a very low risk.
0: It was interesting though, and have a look at the videos, by the way, too, from yesterday when we, when we went to Damon Summerfield's farm. It was interesting talking with Damon because of the fact that he grows a whole lot of different things. And I was surprised when he started listing the different things that he, he grows and he rotates crops. He doesn't grow the same thing all the time in the paddock, but there were seed potatoes. He showed us some grain, some barley and wheat uh, that he's been growing. He's grown mustard seed, cabbage, kale, um, grass, and he's got grass for seeds that he that goes overseas for golf courses, and then the grass is then eaten by lambs. So it was really interesting the diverse, um, the diversity with crops with which Damon grows. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, look, um,
1: once you have irrigation, you're not locked into any one particular land use. Mm. Uh, and and that, that's, that's a bit of a misconception that that, dairy, uh, that irrigation just equals dairy in this country. It's, it, it still comes down to individual choice of what farmers want to grow. But the farmers like Damon, uh, you know, they grow up to 20 or 30 different crops in one calendar year. Mm. Um, and, and they're very engaged. And, and that, those guys like that cropping style. Um, but, but others don't. Others are livestockmen um, that, that prefer being around livestock. So, yeah. But but irrigation doesn't lock you into one thing. You can grow from avocados in, in, in Northland down to you know, um, uh, industrial hemp here in Canterbury.
0: Yeah, and even, actually, another thing that he was growing was chrysanthemum, which is used for tea yes. in China. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And he had a bucket of that too, and it was a really interesting. It smelled a bit like chamomile. So here's another question from Hillary Hub. This, this is from Hannah. Uh, do you use filters in irrigation? Um, Jasmine. Oh, that was from Jasmine. Do you use filters in irrigation?
1: Okay, so in some systems, in some irrigation systems, yes, because the emitters, the, emitters the, the things that squirt the water are so fine and small that you have to take out all particulates. But in, in larger systems, say center pivots, where, you're, where the, the nozzle size is quite large, um, most um, ranging particles or particulates in the water will come, come through that. Yeah. So putting filtration on those things is, is kind of an expense that you don't really have to go to.
0: Yeah. Uh, and from Hannah, has New Zealand used flood irrigation?
1: Oh, yes, yes. We, we were uh, dom- uh, predominantly flood um, in the, from about the 1930s when the original border dike systems were put in by the Ministry of Works. Um, but over time, um, we've now phased out. There's less than 4% of Canterbury has bought a dike now. Um, it's, it, it, it uses way more water. It's, it's not uh, totally environmentally sound. Um, the, the cycles around that are imprecise. Um, there's far better systems that you get more bang for buck.
0: Yeah, this, I mean, the technology must be getting better and more efficient in terms of water use and offsetting those um, environmental impacts better all the time. Um, New
1: Zealand's one of the most um, water-efficient countries in the world, and we're only third or fourth to countries like Israel and Saudi Arabia that actually have to desal- desalinate, so turn seawater back into freshwater. Mm. They actually have to create water. We have an abundance of water. We can never use how much fresh water is in this country every year. It's physically impossible. Um, to, to give you some, some numbers around that, there's about 550 cubic kilometers of fresh water available every year in this country through uh, snow melt, rainfall, all those things. We use 10 cubic kilometers of that every year. So we're, we are you know, 2%. Is what we use the entire country, your house, my house, the farmer down the road, everybody. We use two two percent of that five hundred and fifty
0: cubic. It is a, you know, it's an interesting topic because, you know, and it's not just using water for irrigation, but it's bottling water, and you know these sorts of things get into the media, and there's a lot of conflicting um, information. Like you know, I read. All sorts of different things that contradict one another, and, and I guess it's different groups pushing their point. But, um, you know, when you put it like that, that we have that much, um, is there a need for us to worry so much about some of these industries?
1: Um, the, the bottling industry, and I, I pre, I've presented to, to public forums on this. There's two choices in New Zealand the, the, the actual abstraction for bottled water is zero point zero 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 six of one percent was it six or seven zeros there was six zeros okay so um, so it's in my opinion it's a it's not a um, quantity argument because a big bottling factory uses every year less than at the average size farm hmm so, so the decision we have to make as a country is, you know, is it something that socially we accept? And there's, a, there's already a, a rigorous um, legal process around these, these companies getting consent to take water
0: mm.
1: um, and bottle it and do whatever they're going to do with it. That, that already exists in law. And, and so we have to accept, we either accept that what they're actually taking is so small it's not worth the argument or we change the law around that. And we say, as, as a nation, we we, we want better laws that, that reflect our our um our our state on this.
0: Yeah, I'd have more concern about the um the amount of plastic that's used for bottling the water than uh, the amount of water.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it yeah um everyone's concerned about bottling water, but it's it's not the elephant in the room.
0: Yeah. what
1: so, water water quality issues are the elephant in the room, not water quantity
0: issues. Yeah, there's a lot of irrigation in Canterbury. So um, why why is that? This is the most irrigated place in New Zealand.
1: Um, we have the ideal landscape and the ideal climate for irrigation. And we have, in Canterbury, we have the four big braided rivers. Yeah. So we have the Waitaki at the southern end and we have the Waimak at the northern end.
0: And, um, the, and then there's the Rakaia. The, the Rakaia
1: and the Rangitata. Rangitata, yeah. So we have these these four massive west coast fed um, river systems that almost drought proof an entire province. Mm. Um, there's no point in history that I've read that two out of those four uh, rivers have ever been dry. So it's it, 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 we have this perfect scenario almost where if we manage um, how we abstract water well, we've, we've now have this, this, um, Um, drought tolerant uh,
0: irrigation area Is there any predictions ideas about how that might change with climate change in the future?
1: Uh, So this is my professional opinion we see irrigation as a bad thing currently in social media and things like that Um, the the intelligent conversation we need to have for climate change is where are we going to put our large scale water storages we don't actually capture enough yeah okay. so if, if and i'm not saying we need to capture water for irrigation we need to capture water then decide what we're going to do with it and it can be recreational you know fishing sporting whatever it can be for power generation water has so many uses in this country it's not funny but we don't store enough we need to get up around the five percent mark
0: yeah because there, there are times when when you can't take water from the river when the river flows are low Yep. yeah and like for example that big storage pond in Sheffield I was amazed two million cubic feet meters of water which is a lot of water but it only lasts a couple of weeks yes (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. um the
1: yeah it's 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 one of those things we actually uh we need more water storage once you store water you can do something with it Mm. once it goes out to sea you can do nothing with it
0: i need more water storage at home because we've just about run out of our two tanks that we rely on and it's been so dry (laughs) But luckily, we've got a neighbour who's not in their house, and he's got two full tanks, and he said we can siphon some into ours. So that's good. Um. So, Waikato, they don't really have irrigation up there, do they? Well, apart from natural irrigation.
1: No. So the, the Waikato has. They they have a few irrigators, um, especially around you know, the, the top end, around Pukakoi and things like that, um, out out towards the the east. Um, they have some irrigation, but irrigation is not prevalent. There. Yeah. Um, they, they, they have
0: much more secure rainfalls. Well, it's quite a different landscape up there too, isn't it? Like, oh, yes. a lot more hilly. Yeah, And th- this is, this is New Zealand's,
1: um, uh, I call it the, 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 New Zealand conundrum, which is we have the reverse problem to everywhere else in the world. Australia, America, China have vast land, flat landscapes that are easy to irrigate, but they have water issues. They mm. don't have enough. Um, or all their water is in on one side of the country and all their land is on the other side of the country. Um, we have an abundant water supply no matter where you go in New Zealand. There's very few areas that are, are other than sort of you know, Tasman and Nelson, and, and those regions that are really, really drought prone um, or don't have red, readily access to, to um, you know, reliable rivers. Um, but we don't have great topography. We're, we're an island nation. We're a very small nation. Mm. We're, we're, we're we're landlocked um, or sea locked. Um, we have successfully now irrigated eighty percent of the land that can be irrigated in this country. So of the million hectares thereabouts that we could irrigate, we're at eight hundred thousand, just slightly over eight hundred thousand now. The the, the last twenty percent comes with problems, and so that that's that's where um, you know we have to decide, you know, how how you know are we going to do it. Mm. Um, and what's the risks around it. So I uh, take Northland. Northland um, has some, some really good areas for um, avocado production and things like that, um, but their wells uh, the, or their groundwater is uh, bordered on two sides by the ocean. So mm. if, 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 if abstraction um, it, it becomes too great, then you're going to get ingress salt water into those wells. So it, it's, it's a balancing act now. Yeah. Because um, all the easy flat ground is done in, in, in this country, so so that that's that, that's where we're at here. Um, every other country, if they can push the water from one side to the other, that
0: they have huge tracts of land. So lucky us. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, we like a challenge? So we'll um, got time for a little bit more of a chat. We were going to. Um, well, we're going to end this at around quarter to 10. We've got a fair bit to do before we meet up with the mayor of Salwyn today. So, um, uh, so the, there's a question here. Are there new careers in water that were not around 10 or 20 years ago?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, er- uh, irrigation and water is, is highly specialised and technical now. Um, you, can, you can be a, a simple installer right through to a, a software writer. Um, uh, policy people, analysts um, the, 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 the career potential inside water is, is phenomenal
0: So when you say software um, Because yesterday when we talked with Damon He showed us how he can control His irrigators via an app on his phone Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. The, Just the, the controlling of the, of the Automation
1: and, and, and what what we could do in the early 2000s or what we would like to do in the early 2000s was hindered by the technology of the day. Mm. We are now almost completely uninhibited with, with rural connectivity, uh, um, technology advancements and all sorts of things that make our life easier. But they also come with some complexities too. Mm. Um, we, we started automating or remote controlling center pivots in the late 90s. And, and what we found was the, the maintenance calls went up hmm. the minute we did that because the farmer was no longer standing at his pivot and turning it on and, oh, I've got a flat tyre. He was doing it from Brisbane hmm. when he was on holidays and, and no one told him that one of the work huts was parked in the paddock. And, of course, so we created a problem by solving a problem. They just
0: go straight over the top of them, though, don't oh, they? Oh, yes, they,
1: they love walking <laughs> over so. um So, yeah. But no, so so technology especially now drives our, our industry because what we what we expect uh, you know, uh, socially and, and and from a business economically we expect bang for buck we expect every drop of water to count mm. to turn into yield and you can't do that if you don't measure it.
0: Well, and I guess so. We should, and that's and it's good to know that you know we are you know that the industry is making every drop count. Um, and we're going to talk more with Steve later today about those various careers within irrigation. So, um, we're going to leave it there guys. You've all been very quiet today, but it's been great that you've joined us. I know some of you have been with us every day this week. So I really hope you've gained a lot from the field trip web conferences and through the videos, uh, So make sure you go and check out yesterday's ones that are on the website today and have a flick through my diary with the images. And um, we'll see you on the next field trip, which is in a couple of weeks, not far from here, looking at biodiversity up in the high country wetlands. So hope you can join us for that one. But in the meantime, how about you all um, unmute. And this is also available as a recording later as well, this web conference. So... um, Feel free to access that. But how about in the meantime, you guys unmute and all say a big goodbye? There's lots of waving. You can unmute. See you guys. Thank you.
1: Thanks,
0: guys. It's been great having you on the web conference.